Hello, I'm Dr. Arthur Cassidy, and in this podcast, I want to talk to you about the psychology of emotions involved in in weight gain, especially in clinical obesity. And obesity really is a major health problem here in the UK and right across the world, especially in the US as well. But it also involves different physical, genetic, psychological and also environmental factors. So aside from being an aesthetic problem, the World Health Organization argues that it is a dangerous consequences for health. And we do it, it leads to high levels of fatality. Some of the most common would be cardiovascular problems, movement disorders, most sometimes of cancer, such as liver, gallbladder, kidney and colon cancer. But in recent years, psychology has made a significant uh, input into the understanding of obesity and the various biopsychosocial factors involved in that and in the treatment of it. So psychologists, for example, work with people who are overweight and obese to learn a series of specific tools that they need in order to manage this obesity and to reduce their weight and their BMI. So some of these tools that I want to discuss will help those to lose weight or even keep the weight off, even after things like a surgical intervention. So I want to look at a few of the different factors that some psychological scholars and experts associate with obesity and being overweight. So we want to focus especially on those of a psychological nature. So one of the main factors is we ask what really are the factors at play in obesity and being overweight? Well, obesity is a multifactorial disease. Different causes or variables contribute to its survival and also to its origins. For example, an overactive or underactive thyroid gland is just one of those issues that can cause people to be overweight but also may lead into an obesity if it's not managed properly. We have the genetic, we have the physical factors, and there's a major debate about the genetic influence of obesity, which is very highly quite controversial. So what we do know is that the number of cases of obesity due to genetic reasons is very, very low. It's true that there are certain genetic syndromes that include obesity or being overweight as part of the clinical profile. But about approximately 90% of patients with obesity actually don't have any of these syndromes. Another common belief is that thyroid disorders and other hormonal problems can actually cause obesity. But most people who start to gain weight try to find endocrine or metabolic reasons to explain their weight gain. And nevertheless, they usually fail. So, while researchers have identified certain genes and physical causes related to obesity, these genes are responsible in very small number of cases, from what we tell in the scientific literature. Many people will attribute their obesity to their genetic makeup because their parents and family members also tend to be obese. But this is largely due to the fact that family members share similar environments. They have commonly learned eating habits attitudes towards food and body. So these factors will also contribute significantly to obesity actually running in the family, for example, here in the UK. But there are many psychological variables associated with this, uh, for example, emotions. And emotions are the major psychological elements that the experts associate mostly with obesity and being overweight. For example, the person's emotional state 
under stress, suffering bereavements, stresses in their life, loss of jobs, etc., etc. And so the emotional state relates directly to the person's appetite, to their behaviour at mealtimes, and also with food choice preferences. Emotions directly do influence people's appetite, how we think about our lifestyle. Uh, those who are very sedentary, who may well not want to engage in an active lifestyle because of embarrassment of being seen to be or to be fat shamed, for example. And so how they affect it varies from person to person. An emotion, for example, like sadness or happiness, can either increase or decrease your appetite. So the effect is very much individualistic. So there are people who eat more when they're anxious. Comfort eating, for example. People in shift work on television, for example, just as an example. Um, so there are many, many effects of emotional activation and also its manifestations. So indirectly then, we can look at emotions as being linked with a predisposition to eat certain types of foods. For example, work, stress, predisposes you to eat less food. But, you know, in many ways, the bad part is that the small amount that you eat is processed and it's very, very high in calories. So when you're feeling positive and relaxed, then you tend to eat large quantity of food far more slowly. So indeed, there are many people who really do struggle with obesity and being overweight and who really use food to regulate their emotions. And so they try to regulate these emotions, uh, you know, following maybe a period of emotional dysregulation is what we call it. So in these cases, they will eat when they feel frustrated, bored or anxious or under stress. Food is comfort, it makes them feel better, offers temporary relief. But it's really about fooling oneself because the cycle conditions people to rely on food to make them feel better rather than using talking therapy or talking to a friend, a trusted friend, a confidant. In recent years, the idea of food addiction has really become very, very popular. Scientific and psych psychological community that I'm part of. We don't quite have a unified opinion on the subject, but we are learning far, far more, especially since, 19, since from the 1900s, but now also from the, the millennium and right through uh, from 2018, right through to 2020 and now to 2021. We are learning much, much more about the nature and the causalities uh, that are contributable to um, being clinically obese. It's interesting to note, really, you know, that um, food and the, the active eating activates what we call reward pathways. And these reward pathways are in the brain. So these are the same pathways that are activated, for example, uh, in, you know, psychoactive substances like alcohol, drugs, gambling. So... Bearing that in mind, then, you can say that food addiction exists because certain foods are very powerful, primary positive reinforcers. Many foods become highly addictive. I hear people coming to see me in my health clinic about addiction to Chinese foods or Indian foods or Korean foods or whatever. And so this is down to what we call personal habits. And psychologists call these lifestyle behaviours. All behaviour is related to daily routines, to diet, to eating habits and so on. But it's about taking back control. It's about remembering really that you are a person with emotions and feelings. You are a person and uh, this should not be about uh, stigma. It should be about seeing people as fully human, people with these problems that we have to help and support to get their health back into equilibrium again. 
And so we we often read in, in the tabloids and broadsheets, you know, about fat shaming. And this immoral behaviour, it just simply shouldn't happen, but it does. And it's a matter of changing the culture and helping us to see people just as who they are. They're people with problems, just like you and I. But we have to help these people by helping government to make the right decisions about weight management control, about you know how do we actually change policies to remove sugar from diets. But it's not just about removing sugar from diets. This is really about making massive changes to how we view and how we how we destigmatize um, clinical obesity. So the most common uh, would be the lack of physical exercise and unconscious eating. We remind us that's where we're never eating. We need to be more mindful about how we eat and what we're eating and what it's doing to us. And so it's not just about willpower. There are many, many other variables associated here. The environment, for example, as well. And what type of job that you do and your schedule will also influence how much you really do eat. I see people who work the night shifts are far more likely to have an eating disorder or weight problems. You know, um, changes in your work schedule, working day shifts, night shifts can also cause um, changes in your sleep disorders and also in your circadian rhythms or your internal clock. So it really makes it hard to sleep and it puts you into a very negative mood. So these are the things that really compose the, the whole syndrome. So we ask really, I mean, what can psychological therapy do? Well, at Mindspace 247, we have highly qualified life coaches to help you plan your activity once you have perhaps seen online therapists or, and uh, they can provide you with, and therefore help you to make those changes to adapt right, to make the right choices about food, about diet, about exercise and to have a gradual process of recovery. It is possible. So I strongly advise you to please lift the phone, get in touch with us, you know, at Mindspace247, www.mindspace247.com. And thank you for listening. Goodbye.